It's National Small Business Week. Now, I know that I normally talk about nutrition and fitness and and kids and drugs and opioids and all sorts of kind of lifestyle and healthy things. But you know what? Bottom line is a family business. And family two thirds of you, believe it or not, work for family businesses. They're enormous. They're the backbone of our economy. So I thought, you know what? We're gonna talk about family business today. We're gonna talk about what goes on behind the doors, what you need to think about if you're thinking about starting a family business and all you young people, you little entrepreneurs out there, you gotta think about this stuff, what it's gonna mean, what you need, what it's like once you really get going. So come join me. I'm Sarah Heiner and this is the Bottom Line Advocator Podcast. I'm Sarah Heiner, president of Bottom Line Inc the number one provider of expert-sourced, expert-vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. I'm thrilled to be talking today to Jim Blassingame, one of the world's leading experts on small business and entrepreneurship. He's the creator and award-winning host of the syndicated radio program, The Small Business Advocate, which can be heard in 20 markets across the country and streaming live online Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. till 8 a.m. He's the author of four books, including his latest award-winning book, The Third Ingredient, The Journey of Analog Ethics into the World of Digital Fear and Greed. You can learn all about Jim. You can listen to his radio show. You can sign up for his newsletter at smallbusinessadvocate.com. So welcome, my friend. I'm so glad to talk to you. Hi, Sarah. Good to talk to you. Thank you for inviting me to your outstanding podcast well and the tables are turned because i'm on your show once a month and so the pressure's on me because you're such an outstanding radio host and now testing my skills against yours as an interviewer like total pressure it's all, on. it's all about having fun though isn't it always and i always have fun with you all right so here's the thing so it's small business week this week and i can think of a nobody better to talk about small businesses than you and b I wanted to talk about family businesses with you. You and I have had a lot of conversation about family businesses, about how they're the backbone of the country, about the huge number of people that whether they realize it or not are involved in family businesses and the unique environment. So welcome, let's talk about family businesses, okay? I'm ready, I love it. Okay, cool. My favorite topic. <laughs> and we always meander into it. All right, so let's just give them, give people a, kind of the perspective on how enormous family business is and how it really is touching two-thirds at least of this country. Well, I, a lot of people, there, are, there is research that identifies the, one, the businesses that are family business, where, where there are actually are multiple people in the family working in the business. But my definition of, of a family business is all small businesses are family businesses. If you... If you have a family and you own a small business, you have a family business because there's a there's a very fine line. I should what I'd like to say is our businesses weave a very fine seam between our personal life and our professional life, and and because it's so so fine that seam, that means that that whoever's close to you, meaning your family, they're involved in the business. If they're not taking a paycheck, if they're not turning a screw or waiting on a customer or whatever in the business, if they're, if they're not directly involved, their lives are involved. They're, they're future, you know, they're the food they eat, the shelter over their head, the, the, the support they have to give to the owner himself or herself is definitely something that, that the family has to do. And, and it's, so that's the reason why I say all businesses, all small businesses are family owned business. Now, not to, to, and, and, 
And depending on who you listen to, who you who you you read, the SBA says there are you know close to 30 million small businesses. 20, sometimes 26 million. You hear 28 million. That's all. Millions of small businesses. Of those, about six million are have employees, and the others have have are, are sole proprietors, which I was one once upon a time. I bet your dad was once upon a time too, and when he when he first got started, and so. So that's that's the way it breaks down, and um, the the SBA says a small business is under 500 employees. I believe the number should be closer to 100 employees, 100 down and down, because typically below 100 employees, that's when you're you're less likely to bring in, say, a consulting firm to help you if you're if you're below 100 employees. And and the truth is, the the when you talk to chambers of commerce, they'll tell you. That, that their average small business em, uh, member prompt, that has employees has less than 10 employees. Well, you know, it's so of funny. Those six was... million, of those 6 million, you know, most of them have, have less than 10 employees. So it's so, so, many, so many pieces of information you just threw out there. Um, so the in terms of small businesses, you know, you and I talked about, um, you, you said something really important in terms of whether it's, whether you're in the business or not, as a privately held family business, if your spouse owns a business, if your father or your parent owns a business, that just being part of that family unit and supporting them in the work that they have to do, because of course, privately owned businesses is 24 seven. You never walk away from That's it. Right. And I always said that, you know, my father, when I was in high school, my father actually would, he had an apartment in New York and he would stay in New York Monday through Friday, all through high school and college. So we hardly saw him. And we weren't. We would work in the customer service office, but more importantly, is that we were good kids, right? So that our being able to be good kids didn't distract him. We supported him. That's we didn't right. get in trouble. He wasn't being called down to the pokey to you know get us out of the pokey or anything else. <laughs> um, so it's a you know family business is a unique environment, and you know so you were talking about 30, 20, 30 million small businesses. In terms of family businesses, here's some stats that I was looking up last night. Two-thirds, two-thirds of the U.S. labor force is in family businesses, 98 million mm-hmm. people employed. We have a total workforce of 153 million. Almost two-thirds of that are in family businesses. Now, yep. a lot of them are small business. Some of them are big business. I mean, Walmart is still considered a family business. Ford is considered a family business. Walmart is not a family business. Ford is not a family well, business. They don't, I, I, they, I, don't, I don't care, I don't care <laughs> if they, they got started as a family business. But the, and even though the family is involved there, once you go public, you're not a family business anymore. Uh, maybe not. So we could have an interesting conversation later on because I want to talk about, you know, the unique aspects of family business. And I think one of the really important aspects of it is corporate culture um, and yeah. the, the unique and, you know, customer service. You were, we were talking talk about customer service and that I think family businesses have a unique culture and a unique emphasis on customer service and integrity that most I have to say I, I just interviewed this morning uh, I interviewed uh, the the HR uh, chief executive chief uh, human resources officer for Marriott and he told me that Bill Marriott is still 87 years old is still you know executive uh, chairman or, or something like that in the company and that his son is still in, in the business so maybe you know I guess maybe you could you could say that they are uh, when I think of a family-owned business, though, I think of where 
the the you know the the, the owners, the founders, the, the family members are are you know very close to, to everything that's going on. But you know those are those are just details you can you, a lot of people can quibble with. Well, but, the, but I want to come back to your numbers, the numbers that, that I think is so important, and these are the numbers that I think that that, that we need to people need to remember. Over half of the U.S. economy is created by small by small businesses in the aggregate. Over half of the employees are, and, and, and again, depending on who you talk to, that number moves up and down. But as you said, hundreds of thousands, I mean, I mean tens of thousands of, of, of the workforce are small businesses between the employees and the, and, and the, and the founder and the, the, you know, the, the owners and, right. and that sort of thing. That's a huge part of the, of the yes. economy. And the problem, the, the thing that bothers me about, and this is important to point out in Small Business Week, the thing that bothers me is if you listen to the media, if you listen to the people who, who run the country and run the, and run the, the, the big part, the macro part of the, of the economy and the marketplace, you know, we're, small businesses are hardly mentioned. Uh, and in fact, when they are mentioned, it's almost like, well, I need to say small business just to legitimize my argument. Most people don't give that much regard to small businesses. They, and I'll tell you right now, this country would be in sore, would be in bad shape if it weren't for the perseverance of, of the they, small businesses. No, they don't. You don't see it. And that's where the overlooked individual, you know, the contractors, that's a small business. The financial planners, that's a small business. The plumbers, the, right. Right, the farmers, like all of that is small businesses. And yes, I was going to say the same thing where we're looking at how's the stock market performing and you know layoffs at General Motors or wherever, but it's the small business that drives the economy, drives the labor and force, most, all of it. Most, the, the net new job growth in America, the net new job growth in America for the, probably for the last 30 years has been small businesses. And it's, it's been for a reason because as, as big companies downsized, they still had jobs, to, those jobs still had to be done. They downsized employees and then contracted with small businesses to do those jobs. That's been going on for 30, 35 years. That's the reason why the, the majority of job growth, uh, net, net job growth has come from small businesses. And, and, uh, and, and so that's, that's one of the reasons why small businesses are important. And why I say every week is Small Business Week. Around <laughs> here, every week is Small well, Business Well, for you, every day is Small Business Day. That's right. Um, all right, so here's here's a theory. What do you think? I think that small businesses are going to be even more important because I think that millennials and Gen Zs are very entrepreneurial and that they are wanting to start their own businesses and that those are going to become the next round of, of small businesses. The Gen Zs are very conservative. They're very responsible. They grew up kind of in the in the Great Recession era. They saw their parents get downsized. They saw their parents struggling for work. And I think, and what do you think, that there's going to be an even larger growth of startup businesses? Well, it's going to be interesting because um, early research didn't show that, that Gen, Gen Y was, was entrepreneurial. No, this is Gen uh, Z, the next. that's changing some now. But the, the big thing is um, the younger generations, Gen Y and Gen Z, they're going to have, they're entering a different marketplace as business owners than your dad did and, and, that, and that I did and that you, in the business that you run. Um, the, the 21st century digital marketplace that we're, that we're in right now, uh, 
Main Street's going to look a lot different. Um, how we how we go to market's a lot different. How we capitalize our businesses is a lot different. How we how we use leverage, how we use human resources, is all going to be a lot different. And 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 I I think that we're in a transition period right now that is making I think it's it's making the 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 people who are studying these things I think it's making it difficult for them to to determine what kind of business owners the younger generations are going to be because yep. as you know um, if you if if you lined up 10, 10 uh, people forty years ago who were going to go into retail one hundred percent of them were going to be a storefront have a storefront if you ask if you ask ten of the, of the younger generation today that, who are going to go into retail probably only two of them would be would be have a storefront the rest of them would be would be virtual right well yeah so and they actually it's, have it's vi- a different marketplace and, and it's, it's i think it's i think we're in a period where it's difficult to to evaluate and to and to call uh what the experience is because uh you know it's they're they're developing apps i don't i don't i don't understand how you imagine making an app and and you know, and, well, and that's okay. Making a living with that, but they are. Well, but I and, think, and that's, I, I think, from the point of view though of where's the small business world going, and making people aware of the opportunities in small business, that with this new world, with the, you know, the WeWorks of the world, like their whole, as you say, their economics are different. I don't need to rent an office space. I could go work at WeWork. I don't need to hire right. a huge workforce. I could have freelancers. My husband had a consulting business for years, and he had. A whole bunch of people working for him that were all over the place. They weren't at our house. They weren't, you know, at his office. They were scattered right. all over the place. So the whole perception of small business. But again, they're all small businesses, and they still need to, um, you know, run them, deal with them, be responsible for the growth of them, and and you know, operate as a small business does and as a family business does. I have a concern that I that I talk about on my show with for the younger generations. That I, I try to help them, try to remind them about, and that is uh, a, a, a. I'm I'm worried about a disregard for the fundamentals, Sarah, because one of the things millennials are, and they'll admit this. They they admit it to me. They're not very much interested in history. They don't they don't like to watch old movies. They don't care about what happened in World War II or the Depression or all that kind of stuff. In fact, I, I've said I said something in a speech one time to uh, some millennials were in the audience and I said, you guys don't care about anything It's over 48 hours old. And a guy, a young guy walked up to me at the, after my speech and he said, you're wrong, it's 24. And, and so, so that's the, the, the concern that I have though, is while they're creating these brand new type of businesses, these businesses that you and I might not recognize that, that are clearly 21st century, that it's because of digital leverage that they can do these things. And, all the, all the examples that you gave a few minutes ago, while they're creating all those new things that, 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 that they seem to have the, 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 the aptitude and the ability to do that, may, that I may not, they still have to deal with cash flow. They still have to make a profit. They still have to have something that they have, they have to make dog food that the dogs will eat. And, and, and sometimes, I'm, and if you have a, if you don't have a regard for fundamentals, for his, if you don't have a regard for history, you might not have a regard for fundamentals. And you and I both know, cash flow was king a hundred years ago. It's king today, 
and it'll be king a hundred years from now. Well, you know that all those the the fantasy only lasts so long because at some point you do have to pay a bill. At some point you do have to pay your right. people, and Bitcoin is no way to get paid people. So anyone that promised you to pay your salary in Bitcoin, run, run fast. I think actually the cannabis right. industry has it right because it's all cash. Those people are literally paying salaries in cash. That's wow. Yeah, because they have to because they're not allowed to take credit cards and they're not allowed to have bank accounts. They've got all this oh, yeah. cash going. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I agree. I mean, it's a it, it'll be interesting to see how that shake out shakes out. But you know, we've talked for years with you know all kind of the young techie cowboy startups where they have these great ideas, but at some point you have to bring the faculty advisor in, right? Who teaches yeah, them? Exactly right. right. Who teaches them the personnel issues? I mean, you're watching with Mark Zuckerberg, you know, who still has this naive, youthful naivete of what Facebook is and what the business is. And, you know, the lack of responsibility of thinking about the implications of what they're doing and what their decisions are. the ethics. Are. The right. ethics of their behavior. They, there's, right. there's very little of that. He's basically admitted that. You know, one of the things, one of the things that I, that, that made me start thinking about what I just said about the fundamentals is I, I, I kept running into millennials who, who, who they, they acted entrepreneurial, they sounded entrepreneurial. And when I said, what are you going to do then? How, what, is, what is the thing you're going to start? And they would say, I don't know how many of them have told me they want to start a nonprofit. Now, that, that emanates from some research that, that my friend, um, uh, Doug Tatum, who's with the, who's an entrepreneur in residence at Florida State University, he, he polls his entrepreneurial major freshmen. These are freshmen who are going into entrepreneurial school to get a degree in that. He polls them the first semester about profit and like 80% of them think profit is a bad thing. Well, and well, that's when the you fundamental, that's the fundamental you can't get around and and so if, if if that makes you want to start a nonprofit, what I'm concerned about uh, in which you know we're talking about the future of small businesses, what they what they have to learn is even a nonprofit has to make a profit. Well, and GoFundMe is no business strategy. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I, and, and and I do, and I talk to them sometimes, and they say, I say, they say I'm starting a business. I say, okay, what's your what's your next step? They just started it, you know. And I right. say, what's your next step? They say, well, I got to get funding. I'm going for funding. And I say, well, do you have a customer yet? Oh no, I'm I got to get funding first. Well, that's in my opinion, that's that's the wrong. Well, when you um, have when you have the Amazons that took how many years did it take Amazon to get profitable? Twitter isn't yeah. profitable. Snapchat's not profitable. So these incredibly you know, large capped companies, right? Market valuation, but profit is not necessary. It's an interesting thing that's going on culturally. But we've digressed, Jim, because we always do. <laughs> so, mm. can we? So, can we swing back a little to family businesses? How's sure. that? How's that for the most ungraceful transition ever, right? Um, because mm-hmm. you know, I think I think the philosophy, you know, the the cultural aspects and what millennials are going to do in the future and their philosophies and how they're going to the profit versus the nonprofit. I think that that you and I can have a whole long you know dinner over that one day. Um, I want to come back to family businesses though because I think that there are with so many people in family businesses. I think it's really important and um, you know a little voyeuristic to talk about you know what goes on in there. Like, what's the key to success? Because the whole the way they work, the dynamic, the family dynamic, if you want to be in a family business and you want to succeed in a family business, you need to, you know, relationships occur differently there. Um, so I wanted to talk about some of that if we could. 
Can we do that? Okay. All right. Now, did you, so in all your interactions and family business stuff, did you ever, you know, hear the, the stories or witness any of these like feuding at the family business where they're screaming and slamming doors? Like that's the, the horrible side that you always hear. Um, I've, I've seen it. I've worked in those companies. Uh, I've helped those companies resolve their issues. Uh, I've reported on them in my, on my show with people who do that for a living, mediators who do that for a living. I've heard horror stories that would, it would curl your hair, uh, and I've seen I've seen family businesses that are as beautiful and as pure as the dripping snow, and they're just a clinic on on how to do it right. Yeah, you know, so, it's so funny. I was thinking, uh, family. You, know, you have to you have to remember you have to remember one thing. Somebody told you a long time ago. You know, friends you choose, family you're stuck with. But let alone you choose to go into the family business. I was actually thinking as I was preparing for this conversation, thinking about Charles Dickens and the opening of A Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I think family. Yeah, I think family business is the best of times and the worst of times in terms of, you know, that it has such incredible culture, as we said, and then it also has these interesting family dynamics. So let's talk about the relationship. My wife and I work together. She's my. I work for her, and and and. you know, we, we have not gotten drag outs here sometimes, but, but then we also have times where we share so many wonderful moments that they're much, much beyond. As long as there's fundamental respect and love, uh, don't, you know, I think family-owned business, people who are in family, I, I think the children, you know, have to determine is, is the, if there's tension, if there's anxiety, if there's loud language, if people are yelling, if they're slamming doors, if that's not, if, if it's not hurting anyone, if it's, if it's just venting and, and, and passion about, about the business and there's no real, you know, uh, damage, so to speak, no abuse or anything, I think, I think, you know, the kids should realize that, you know, this is life and, 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 and put it all in balance and say, okay, at the end of the day, does mom and dad, you know, do they still love each other? Are they, is the business successful? Is, you know, yeah. is, is there... I'm not a door slamming kind of person, but I think that, you know, let's talk about what that spouse relationship is and what you need to, to, you know, so what are the key to success again? So there's spouse relationships, there's parent child relationships. Let's talk about spouses first again, because every time that an electrician, a plumber, a contractor's spouse is doing their books or doing their scheduling, you're in a family business. So right. what's this, what's, you know, your secrets of success? What do you think is the key to success or, you know, the key to the downfall of that relationship working? And I'll, I'll give my opinions because I work with my spouse and I've, you know, again, I've worked with, for anyone that doesn't know, I've got two siblings here. My mom still works here. My dad obviously founded it and he passed away. Um, my dog is at my side. Uh, so, and we have, you know, 40 other people that run around here who are, you know, like family. Um, so what's the what what what's the key what do spouses need to do to make it work and then what's the what's their you know points of failure well i think it's important to you have to establish you know as a small business is not a democracy it's a benevolent dictatorship because there has to be one person somebody has to make a decision eventually and there has to be a decision about who that who is the ceo and, and, I, and, you know, it doesn't have to be the man. It doesn't have to be the woman. It can be anybody. But I, I actually know of a company where three brothers became co-CEOs. And, and I, guess, I guess the board's uh, prediction that it would never fail 20 years later is still doing great. But in terms of spouses, in my case, it, it, the reason we're successful is the amazing forbearance of my wife. 
because one of the things that I have a problem with, and I, I'm going to I'm going to make a confession here. You know the story about don't take it home, don't discuss business at home when you when you lock up the back door, I, you know, leave the business there. I'm a big believer I've never, in that. I've never, I've never been able to do that <laughs> because because my business is always on my mind. Right. Uh, I mean, people tell me to stop the smell of roses. My business is my are my roses, you know, and and so I and I love it. I don't I don't I don't apologize for that. It 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 makes me happy. It's going to make me live longer and happier. I love my business. I love being in business, and and it's it's always with me. So if I'm at home, and we're doing watching television, I may pause the television and I may say, you know, I just thought of something, or I remembered something, or whatever. Let's don't forget to do this. I can't help that. I've never been able to, and so therefore, our success is the forebears of my wife, and I give her all that credit. Well, but that's fine, and I agree. I mean, my husband and I also will kind of jump in and out and it's kind of funny as we're getting dressed in the morning and I'll ask some business question and he'll look at me as I'm half dressed and go are we having a meeting right now so, um, but well, I my, think I my think, wife doesn't ask me if we're having a meeting she knows there's, there's always a meeting yes but I think though that understanding you know separating the roles I think it's really actually very critical that even though you know business might meander in or out you also have your time for you and your wife and you have your time yeah. for your fishing and you have your time for your life. And I've always said like biz family business from my point of view doesn't belong at the Thanksgiving table. Right? That you need to oh, still oh, I agree with that. No, to, no, I agree with that. There are times there are times when you have to separate it and, and you and you have to let it go and you know, vacations, you try to try to do that with vacations. There's no there's no question about it. And and, and also you have to make sure you know the reason. The reason I went. One of the reasons I went into business was so I could, I could manage my own time. It, it wasn't that I so I could get rid of bosses. I actually have more bosses now than I did before as a business owner. Uh, and and it, and, it, and it allowed me though to do my work when I could, when I needed to, and still be able to make all my children's ball games. You know, I mean, I, I, yes. I wanted that was a big deal to me. Yeah. Uh, and and, and, the, and being a business owner gave me that flexibility, especially in a time like this when we've got some technology that helps you do that. Which is one of the great things about family and privately held businesses. But I think let's just wrapping up in terms of the spouses. I think it's really important that the spouses know their roles. And you have to be clear about it before you bring your spouse in. I think, you know, the, one of the key things that I've learned everything, and we've worked with different business consultants and family business consultants over the years, um, working with my father and then working with the sibling groups, communication is the biggest downfall. I don't care what the business is, whether yeah, it's I agree. whether it's corporate, whether it's public, whether it's family business. And you have got to have, I'll call it the rules laid out and you have to communicate clearly of who's going to be the decision maker. As you said, you have to have a decision maker. So what's, what's the husband going to do? What's the wife going to do when, you know, if it's the three brothers, who's in charge because someone has to make that decision and unless you're really clear up front of what everybody's role is and allows them to do those roles it doesn't mean as you say don't be the dictator yep. and dismiss everybody but unless you're clear up front what those roles are going to be then you're going to your your business will your, you know your business relationship will, will fail and i think your personal relationship will fail as well because then you'll have no choice but to have those pain points ooze into the house well, there's no question about it, and I have to say, as 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 uh, as much of a problem as I may be, and always having my business on my mind, and 
and as, as much as I, you know, as, as I require for my business, like other businesses, that if somebody has to make a decision, there is there is there is one final decision maker. I have to, I will have to tell you that I'm, I'm I believe I've got a, 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 a thousand batting record that I don't I've never sprung anything on my wife. Whatever I've whatever we've done, whatever if I've ever spent more than a hundred bucks, uh, she she knew what I was doing beforehand. But you're I don't unique. Do anything that she doesn't know about. If I'm thinking about doing something, I want to go ask the first person I want to right. go to, to, to run it by is her. You're and unique so though, I, and that's you're one thing I think is really important. With the, the people I see get yes. into trouble, family business I see get into trouble, is when the the, the so-called uh, founder or the president or whoever, oftentimes it's the husband because we're the we're the we're the knuckleheads usually. Does it makes a decision and comes back and tells the wife, you know, I just I just bought that property, or I just did this, or I just did that. And that's not good. That's not respectful. And and I I'm that's one thing that I'm if I'm going to pat myself on the back, I don't do that. I make sure she knows what I'm up to. Well, and your your integrity is off the charts. But I think that's a really critical point that you can't just trust. Like you have to be aware of the finances. You have to share all that information because it's your house and mortgage that's probably been leveraged for the business. You know, I did a video. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, let me tell you something else that helps that. She knows all my passwords. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, as she should. Um, you know, the she knows uh, all my passwords. <laughs> the um, we did. I did a video a while back with Adam Levin. He's a security expert, and he said the number one source of identity theft is actually family members. You know, you think that wow. it's you're afraid of getting your I've credit card that. stolen. I've seen that. Before. But it's family members, and what happens is they walk in and they hand you a piece of paper and say, "Sign this, honey." And you don't realize that they just took out a second mortgage. They just took out some life insurance. And you, you have no idea. They just say, trust me. So the communication between the spouses. All right, let's talk about the second generation. So let's talk about, you know, the considerations, um, again, in family businesses and small businesses. So for the older, younger relationship, um, what have you seen? What have you counseled? I, of course, have opinions having been a second generation or, you know, as a second generation. My general advice over the years and I've, I've advised a lot of people about this I've had a lot of I've had a lot of people ask me what they sh what they thought I should do what they should do with their younger children coming up going to college getting out of college and my general advice is not it's not going to be it's not going to withstand all tests but my general advice is that I recommend that they, their children not come back to work from after school into the business I do recommend the children work in the business and they stay in and they, you know, they, they come up in the business. They, that's their part-time job. I, I do think that's really important. But but I do think that once they get out of, out of school, they start their own professional career, whatever that might, whatever that might be, junior college or, or, or college or whatever, I, I recommend that they go get a job somewhere. Fill out your resume. Go, go get hired somewhere and go work a job somewhere else for three to five years. And there's two reasons. Two reasons, I think, at least two reasons why I think that's good advice. Number one, it helps them to do that. It helps them to go into the marketplace, they see how hard it is, and then they go work for somebody else and they learn good good practices and bad practices. And also, it, they if they come back to the business, they never have to feel that they were hostage. I, I, I know a lot of people who who just, it was expected of them to step into the business and it not, now it doesn't always happen, but sometimes I see people who, when they're 45 or 50 years old, 
they say, you know what? I really wish I had a, had an option to go do something else. Yeah, I mean, it's and so that's that's my general advice. I I can agree, cannot agree more with you. I think that it's absolutely vital that you have. You know, if you grew up in the businesses, like we grew up in the business, so I worked there high school, college, over, you know, summer vacations, but I was gone for eight years, and then I was gone again later on uh, in the middle of my career, that to bring something to the business, you're a more valuable employee that way as well, yep. to step right. outside, because family businesses and small businesses can get very insulated if you're not careful. You know, you kind of stay remember within that, your remember walls. Remember that family I told you about where the three sons were became co co-CEOs, yes. they all left and came back. It's vital. You go, so because, so family businesses can be insulated. So it's important to go out, bring, you know, learn something beyond the walls of the business. It's critical for your own self-esteem. Having been, I, I have lived my whole life desperately afraid that people look at me and the first thing they think is, hi, boss's daughter, you had lucky genes. Right. And I couldn't stand the thought of that. So to be able to uh-huh. go outside, to get some skills and experience that you bring back now. Prove yourself. Prove yourself, prove yourself. and add value. So that you, yeah. now you've stood on your own and, you, and you've built experience and you've, you've demonstrated your successes to the outside. So absolutely thousand percent agree to bring it in and bring it back and, there. And the employees right. that you will, that, that who helped the company, the founder, right. found the company that, that probably were, were working the shift the day you were born the employees who you may one day be managing will have a lot more respect for you, too. Yes, I agree. Now, the other thing is, and I say this to everybody, again, young people, I give people advice on this. I don't care where they're working. When you get out of college, you did not get a degree in vice president. So I don't care if you're family business or you're not family business. It's great to start at the bottom. To know that business inside out, the guts from, you know, the guts up. Be a worker bee. You are not ready to run that business. And I don't care how cum laude you graduated from whichever ivy league school you're not ready to run that business necessarily yet there's a lot to your point about you know the long-term thinking of young people there's a lot to learn and you know i wish in some ways i had a do-over with my dad because i was so busy wanting to prove myself that i didn't absorb all the wisdom that i could have from him mm-hmm. and i think that young people well, went, and this, this seems to be an issue a little bit, I think, with the millennial generation, they're they're they want to move real fast, and sometimes they get sometimes they outkick their coverage. They 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 move a little faster. They want to move faster than they really deserve to move, and and it's 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 uh you know we're in this weird transition period right now that we've never seen before, Sarah, where where the people who are in the company who've been around a while, the, the say the baby boomer. Uh, you know, folks who are, who are still in the company, the younger person comes back and they join the company and they've got all these, these new, this new technology uh, aptitude and capability that's a little faster than the, than the people who are in the company. And, and, and the thing is, what I remind millennials about is you're not wrong and you're not right. But they've been here, they were here first. And if you're going to if you're going to win them over, you're going to have to do it with respect. You're going to have to be patient, and and you're going to have to. They're going to those those older people are going to have to do what you know to do. They're going to have to adjust the technology to the, some of the new virtual ways of doing business. They're going to have to do that. That's the direction the world is moving, but they're not going to do it successfully all at once. And so, patience, respect, 
I think will we'll go a long way for the millennial generation in, as you say, not assuming that, that, that a BS degree is, a, is, is gives you the VP job. No, not at all. You really do need to be patient, and there's so much to learn. Now, on the flip side, I will also say that it's really difficult for the second generation um, to to get a fair shake from the seniors. And what I mean by that, and this is in all family relationships, you have your filters that you look at your sibling, right? My sister was always, um, this isn't true, I'm just making this up, my sister was not this way. My sister was always a crybaby. My brother was always a bully. My father, <laughs> my father you know, always viewed me as the difficult one. That really was true. Um, so, you know, you come in, and I think it's really hard for the second generation to get in some ways a fair shake because the parents are always looking through that filter and they're always viewing you as the 10 year old the 12 year old the 15 year old that you are this is a family dynamic this is the part about friends you choose family you're stuck with no there's no question about it and 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 so the parents have to do i you know i just gave a little i just gave a little comeuppance to the millennials The, the, the 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 baby boomer the parents have to have to realize You've got to look at your child through a different lens, and, and I know I, I know what you're talking about. I know I've seen these founders uh, bring their kid. You know, the kids are into business, and, and and the kid has a great idea, and it's actually the right idea, and and the, and the founder doesn't just reject it; they reject it with disrespect. What do you know? You know, I've been here. I started this company. Who do you think you are? You can't do that. The, the, the patience and the respect thing goes both ways. Well, I think the founders also have to be clear about why they want their kids in the business. Because, um, and this was a struggle that I had, we actually had here in terms of succession planning. My father wanted all of the kids here desperately in the business, and it's the greatest place to be. And then in some ways, he, he acted like we were picking his pocket. Right. So <laughs> and we're just, I'm just trying to plan for the future, right? We're just trying to look long term. Yeah. And, you know, it was the same kind of thing. What do you know? You're not ready, all that sort of stuff. So I think that you need to be clear on what, like, why you want them in. Do you want them in because you want to control them? Or do you want them there because you really respect them? And thinking long term about the succession of the business. And I think that succession planning, let's jump to succession planning for a second. Um, you need well, to think so long term and start it super early, right? Because, with, you know, if your kids are coming in, they're in. Right, and the, the pressure on the legacy of the family business. One of the things that, that you've got to do, and, and I see this a failure in this area a lot over the years, is, yeah, you'd like to have the kids in the business, but is there enough opportunity for all of them? I mean, I mean when you think about this, uh, the founders of a business, you know, there's a, there are a lot of advantages to being a business owner that don't come with a W part of the W-2. And when you, there's only so much of those advantages to go around. And, and when you, if you got three kids, you know, you're not going to, you go, you dilute those advantages by four into four, four parts. That's not very much of an advantage. And then, and then when you talk about, uh, that you talked about the, uh, you know, the estate, the estate planning and the, and the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, getting, Transfer of wealth. Yeah. yeah. When you talk about all that's going on, this is you've got to realize. Okay, can they pay for? Can they pay me for my business? I mean, this is one of the things that you see a lot of times is the the, the owner, the founder says, "Son, I'd love for you to be in the business, but I can't not sell this business. 
and you can't afford it. And that's that's something I think that owners should think about before they bring their children back into into the business. Twenty years from now, thirty years from now, what are you going to do? Are you going to are you going to make arrangements? Are you going to work it out where your child can buy it from you, or, or are you going to have to sell it to somebody else? And now now he's he or she's fifty and they got to go get a job. You know that's these are these are things that take long term planning when you bring when you bring a kid back into the business for for their profession. You have to think about these things. Well, and I think one of the best things that we did we brought succession um, family business consultants and succession planning consultants in very early on, probably 30 years ago, yep. 25, 30 years ago, smart. because it has very to smart. start very early in terms of, again, so now let's say you bring your two or three kids in. What are the roles going to be, right? Who's going to be in charge of what? Who's going to be in charge? What are the roles? What's the finances? How can you transfer the wealth? How can they purchase the business? All of that needs to be, again, I'm not big on consultants in general. I think there's way too many high-priced consultants from out of town that, that yep. are deified. But in this case, in family businesses, the issues are so complex that I think it's they've really gotta, it's money very well spent. they got to ask questions that you would not ask yourself. And I think also that there's an opportunity. There are a lot of family business groups and associations. And family businesses, family business people need to spend time with family business people. Because no one understands being, you know, dealing with mom and dad like someone else who's dealing with mom and ba- dad in business. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important opportunity for people. All right, so one last, one last area. What, what's the advice for people thinking about starting a family business? We talked a little bit about funding. We've talked a little bit about um, you know, the financials and things like that. What else would you say? Like, What's the advice that you want to give with these millennials, these Gen Zs, and their entrepreneurialism as they're looking to think about do they want to start a business? What are the things they need to keep in mind? Well, the, I think the most important thing is, is you, first you got to realize that the marketplace is indifferent to your existence, let alone whether you succeed or not. There's nobody, there's nobody out there who's going to make sure that nobody licks the red off your candy. You're going to, you know, the marketplace will chew you up, eat you up, and eat you alive, and 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 not even care whether you, you know, that you it was you. I mean, they, it's a, it's hard. There is no harder job. I've, I've said for years, the hard, the only job that's harder than being a business owner is being a single mother. And 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 it's it's being the CEO, being the owner of a small business, is harder than being the CEO of Exxon or or, or IBM. And especially once you get some scale, you got some employees, you got to make payroll, that kind of thing. It's hard. And if you don't want to work hard, if you don't love what you do. If, if, never mind, never mind loving making donuts or cupcakes or or, or selling wire or tractors or, or or whatever. Never mind the, the the business you're in. If you don't love, if you, if you can't imagine loving being a business owner so much that you'll come back when the world just chewed you up and spit you out today. If you can't get to that point, then you don't need to start a business. If you can't say, okay. I'm not only going to get rid of a boss when I start a business. I'm actually going to pick up several bosses. Oh yeah, that's the biggest joke. The the big the big actually, chair reports you to everybody. Will work for your employees. You your employees will be your bosses. Without a doubt. You've got to, you've got to realize that. Oh, <laughs> I got two of them staring at me right now. Yeah. Yeah. And and so 
And the other thing, one other thing I'll say this, and this, this what I'm telling you right now might seem odd that people would, would think that I would say those things, but all this, is, all this is above and beyond capitalization and the products you sell or whatever. If you, you have to believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, when the rest of the world lets you down, when your company lets you down, when your bank lets you down, when your employees let you down, when your customers let you down, when your idea lets you down, if you don't believe in yourself, that's all, there'll be days when that's all you have to call on. That's the only thing that will get you back up, up off the ground and back in the saddle is belief in yourself. If you don't have that, and you may not know it, whether you have it or not until you start a business, but I will tell you, Sarah, if it hadn't been for me believing in myself, I wouldn't be talking to you today. Yeah, no, I, I got it. And, they, you know, they say it's lonely at the top, and it really is. Because well, you're one, the one, one that has thing, to fuel yourself and fuel the family and fuel the company. Opportunities and challenges come in your door every day. If you, if, what I what I like about being a business owner is whatever it is, opportunity or challenge, it belongs to me. If it comes in my door, it belongs to me. I like that. That's great. All right, Jim Blassingame, we could talk for hours, but I'm going to let you go. So. Thank you so thank much. You, thank enjoyed, you for your I've wisdom. Being on your excellent podcast. All right. Well, it's great. Well, and, listen. And, I, and you know how much I admire the work you guys do. Well, thank you. I so appreciate it. And I'll be on your show in a couple of weeks. So the Small Let's Business Advocate, smallbusinessadvocate.com. Listen to Jim's radio show. Sign up for his great newsletter. Read his books. Thank you so much. I'm talking to Jim Blassingame, award-winning host of the Small Business Advocate radio show and leading expert on small business and entrepreneurship. Small businesses are the backbone of the American economy, but they don't come easily. They put unique demands on both personal finances and family relationships. Jim is just one of the thousands of experts featured in our twice monthly newsletter, Bottom Line Personal, who provide their expert advice to guide readers into action in their own lives. In addition to guidance regarding financial management and complicated family relationships, Bottom Line Personal is filled with actionable advice on all aspects of your life, including living a healthy life, traveling safer and cheaper, finding the best insurance, retirement planning, smart tax strategies, and even travel to little known destinations. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people live more informed and vibrant lives for over 40 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of the greatest tips from our experts of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash BLP That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash BLP.